At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. It's just unbelievable. I mean, especially to do it on you know, Father's Day with my dad here. It just, I know it means a lot to him and it means a lot to me, just the amount that he's done for me and always been there and just being able to kind of like share that knowing he's here is just, you know, it's awesome. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to describe, you know. I wonder what the payout was on Jack Sawinski over two and a half home runs. Anybody have that one by any chance or even to hit multiple homers? I know this. He's down to plus 2,000 to win NL Rookie of the Year, and that's sinking fast. After three homers yesterday on Father's Day, that's probably a good thing. Sawinski's up to 11 homers on the year. Now 11, and the Pirates beat the Giants at PNC Park. Now they get the lousy Cubs on the North Shore. Let's see if they can do some damage there over the next four days. I am Tim Benz. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Bet Rivers online sportsbook invites you to add some variety to your baseball bets with new same game parlays. Every game this baseball season, you can combine bets and player props to create your perfect Bet Rivers combination. Whether you're looking to increase your payouts on favorites or make your own long shot, you can add a little extra spice to your game with same game parlays at Bet Rivers online sportsbook. Download the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app and make your baseball same game parlays today. Pirates minus 109 to beat the Chicago Cubs tonight at PNC. The Cubs are coming in at minus 106, so nearly an even money split. The over under is also nearly even money at eight runs. Two guys combined with 0 8 records 
together. Caleb Killian and JT Brubaker both have ERAs over four and a half. I really like the over tonight in that one. I like the unders elsewhere, though. Tampa and the Yankees, for instance, Garrett Cole and Shane McClanahan pitching. Their individual strikeout numbers are at seven and a half. Cole is over seven and a half at minus 125. McClanahan at plus 110. The unders for the strikeout totals, minus 107 and minus 148, respectively. McClanahan is number one in the major leagues in strikeouts. He's got 105. Cole is at 91. He's fifth in the major leagues. Meanwhile, Corbin Burns is at 100 to lead the National League, and he throws today, too. Milwaukee is a minus-159 favorite with Mikolas on the hill for St. Louis. Mr. Almost no-hitter against the Pirates. The under in that game is 7.5. I don't have a strikeout total for you on Burns as of yet, but, you know, if you have the ability to find that one or go back to that game between the Rays and the Yankees, maybe go with one of the strikeout total overs and the game under if you want to get to those same game parlays that we talked about in the Bet Rivers online sportsbook. Now, if you want a more conventional parlay, you can go under on the Yankees, Raves, and the Brewers, Cardinals, and it pays out at plus 276. The run line for the Yankee game, though, whew, it's tough. Six and a half, that's a hard putt. That is a low-scoring game with the Yankees' bats that can go boom or bust. That's the way it was during their win streak. And that ended at nine games. But if you go back and look how things went during that stretch for the Yankees, it was 10-7 against the Twins, 2-1 against the Cubs, 8-0 against the Cubs, 18-4 against the Cubs. Then the three-game series against the Rays, they won 2-0, 4-3, Blue Jays come to town. Actually, they went to Toronto, excuse me, and they win 12-3, then 4-0, then they lose 10-9. So the run totals have been all over the place with the Yankees during this hot stretch that they've been on. So keep that in mind before you go too crazy with the bets, even though it seems to make a lot of sense, especially with how the Tampa-New York series went last time out with low-scoring run totals across the board. I'm sure that's why the run total today is deflated down to 6.5. Hockey, the Stanley Cup Finals continue before the puck was dropped in Game 1. One thing really struck me about the final between the Avalanche and the Lightning. I picked the Avs as did most according to the gambling numbers. I saw them as favorites anywhere from minus 175 to minus 190 leading up to game one. I got them at minus 185. What gave me pause, though, was the perceived goaltending disparity. Tampa's Andre Vasilevsky, four-time All-Star. He also has a Vezina Trophy and a Conn Smythe to his name, along with the two Stanley Cup rings on his fingers. He's the most decorated big-name goalie of the salary cap era, Meanwhile, the Avalanche were just getting by with 32-year-old Pavel Francouz, who has spent most of his career in the KHL and the Czech Republic, and 32-year-old journeyman Darcy Kemper. The Avs are his fourth team. Rare are the times in a Stanley Cup final or a Super Bowl when the favorite is so clearly outclassed in net or at the quarterback position, but that was the case with the Avalanche heading into the series. No such problems so far for the Avs. Vasilevsky has given up 11 goals in two games. Both were wins for the Avs. Colorado claimed the first two games in Denver by final scores of 4-3 and 7-0. The Avalanche only needed 30 shots to get those seven goals in game two. Meanwhile, Kemper only needed 16 saves to post the shutout. 
Kepper saw just 23 shots in the Game 1 overtime victory. So the Avs have managed to suppress the Lightning shot attempts without compromising their own highly skilled offense. We'll talk about that series extensively with Mark Madden in this week's Madden Monday podcast shortly. But if you think the Lightning can come back from 0-2 down again like they did against the Rangers, the series payout is plus 500 in favor of Tampa right now. Game 3 at 8 o'clock tonight is an even money split practically at minus 109 toward the Avs, minus 107 toward the Lightning. My gut says go with the Lightning, but my head is saying go with the Avs. Don't bet against what your eyes are seeing, and my eyes are seeing a series where one team is just simply better, faster, and more skilled, so I'm taking Colorado. Speaking of hockey, let's talk about the Flyers a little bit, and I probably can't make this bet on the Bet Rivers app, but if I could, I would, and that bet would be under February 1st. That's my selected date for when the open locker room revolt against John Tortorella in Philadelphia will take place. Sometime before February 1st, I think the odds are pretty good. Here's basically what I've seen from Penguin fans on the news that Tortorella has become Flyers coach. On the one hand, there are Penguins fans saying Tortorella going to the Flyers is great. His sell-by date as a coach has come and gone. The script has been written about him multiple times over. His act is worn thin. He'll be at odds with the Philadelphia players instantly. He'll be at odds with Philadelphia fans and media. It's going to be a gong show, and the last place Flyers are going to be even worse next season. The other end, for Penguins fans, they're saying, Tortorella is going to make them better. He's going to make them meaner. He's going to make them agitate. He's going to get guys who are experts at bothering Sidney Crosby and Malkin and Latang if they stay for that matter that he's a good turnaround coach, and he may not get the Flyers to cup contention, but he will get them to playoff contention, at least the cusp of playoff contention, which is where the Penguins will be as well, I think, next year. I don't think they're a lock for the postseason. Many Pens fans seem to think that Torts may not be the right coach for the Flyers, but he is the exact right coach for the Flyers when it comes to facing the Penguins. He'll get a bunch of goons that'll attack Sid's head like Jacob Truba, and it'll be a nightmare every divisional game that the two teams square off. That's the negative side of the coin from Penguins fans, but I put a poll up to this effect on Twitter, at Tim Benz, PGH, and the results uh, last time I checked were something like 88% of respondents saying that the Flyers hiring torts is a good thing for the Penguins. I'm with the majority here. I'm surprised the split is that high, but I'm with the majority I think Torts' star has burned out. I think the Flyers' problems are roster-related more than they were coaching-related. Things are way worse with the Flyers than maybe what the front office believes when it comes to their roster construction. I mean, there's worse coaches than Elaine Vigneault, and the Flyers still sucked last year. I think Torts has become a cartoon edition of himself, and the command he used to demand, the respect that used to come with his fire and brimstone is just laughed off now. I think there will be so much grumbling and discontent with the Flyer player ranks about this between now and when camp starts. It'll be toxic before the puck drops. I know what they're saying online, like Cam Atkinson with his tweets and all that, but you watch. You see what the real undercurrent will be. And and as far as Torts as a coach, I, I know he won a cup. I know his Blue Jackets pulled off that great upset of the Lightning in the first round a few years ago. But aside from that, his other five seasons in Columbus, Tortorella's Blue Jackets were eliminated in the first round three times and missed the playoffs in the other two. In the year before that, the one year he lost in Vancouver, Tortorella missed the playoffs entirely. In all, 
Tortorella has coached 18 seasons. He has either failed to make the playoffs or lost in the first round of 14 of them. So in only four of his 18 seasons has Tortorella won a playoff series. Furthermore, this notion that Torts is a great turnaround coach, really? In his first season in Tampa, Tortorella missed the playoffs. In his first season with the Rangers, New York went from 97 points to 95, losing in the first round, then missing the playoffs the next year. In his first and only season in Vancouver, Tortorella missed the playoffs. In his first season with Columbus, the Blue Jackets missed the playoffs. So I'm not quite buying the great turnaround coach narrative, at least not for this season. Check back with me maybe in 2023 about what Tortorella coming to Philadelphia means as far as the threat to the Penguins. Then again, by 2023, there may be a lot more to be concerned about when it comes to the Penguins themselves as opposed to how good or bad the Flyers are. So what do you think, Penguins fans? Tortorella coming to Philly, I think it's great for the Penguins. Take the under on the point total for the Flyers on the Bet Rivers app whenever it becomes available. And for as much as you can possibly put down, uh, one other thought about that, by the way, Torts, he actually isn't as tortsy as he used to be when it comes to agitating, aggravating, and bitching about the Penguins now that Mike Sullivan is the head coach. It was way worse when Dan Bilesma and Mike Johnston were coaching the team. Oh, Torts is still tortsy. Don't get me wrong. But we all know the like and respect that Sullivan and Tortorella have for one another. So I think the anti-Penguin vitriol in the media and his own locker room on game days is dialed back a bit from when Torts focused against the Pens so long as Sullivan is on the bench. And I actually think that might hurt Tortorella and the Flyers a bit. For the record, I don't get the Sullivan and Tortorella thing at all. Those guys strike me as way more different than they are the same. I can't believe they get along the way that they do. I almost see that as a rare character flaw for Sullivan, to be frank with you. But we'll talk about that more with Mark Madden, also the Stanley Cup Finals, what you can glean from the Stanley Cup Finals and apply to a Penguin way of thinking. That's on the way next. We get into some football as well. Mika Fitzpatrick's contract, what's going to happen with Deontay Johnson, the three-ice hockey discussion, maybe even some Pirates conversation as well. All that's come on the Pittsburgh CityCast, brought to you by Bet Rivers, back in 30 seconds. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to sign up. Must be 21. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1 800 9 with it in Indiana. 1 800 Bets Off in Iowa. And 1 800 522 4700 in Nevada. Another Madden Monday podcast, and it is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go online to betrivers.com. Mark Madden joining us from fabulous Las Vegas today. Mark, we'll start with the NHL Stanley Cup Final. And boy, at this point, it looks really bleak for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Dare I say, only Minka Fitzpatrick could save them now. Or, or O'Neill Cruz. We, we <laughs> thought that the series was over when Tampa trolled the Rangers two games to none either, but the Avalanche are a different sort of beast than the Rangers. Uh, I'm not ruling out a Tampa comeback, but I was almost betting on it, even when the Rangers led that conference final two games to none i still think tampa's not going to get swept but that's about as far as i can go with any optimism on their behalf i got to tell you that they look tired and they looked 
tired in the first two games against the Rangers as well. But the difference in this series is they looked tired and they looked overmatched. And uh, maybe that's the residue of having played so many playoff series, having won the last two cups. Maybe it's luck running out. Maybe it's the avalanche just being a juggernaut. My God, do they look fast, not only fast on their skates, but fast decision-making. Uh, I would be shocked if the Lightning turned it all the way around, but I'm not ruling out a comeback of sorts. And if they are going to get to their edge in goaltending, of course, number one, Vasilevsky has to be better. But number two, you got to throw more than 16 shots at Darcy Kemper. Well, yeah, the goaltender's not even a factor. I mean, Kemper's not getting tested, and, and Vasilevsky's getting unfairly tested, even for a goalie of its standard. So, yeah, the goaltending's had now to do with it, and that, that's the Lightning's biggest advantage, and they're, they're never even getting to it. And a guy who I think has struggled uh, specifically in Game 2, he's been on the ice, well, I know he's a minus four so far, it's Victor Hedman. When you talk about them looking tired, uh, I look at him primarily. Well, yeah, and the overtime goal in game one, which may turn out to be as close as the Lightning gets to making a series of it, was was all his fault. I mean, just looked slow, you know, didn't step up, got got caught puck watching. Uh, yeah, he. if you want to blame somebody, <laughs> which, of course, is always the way in, in sports today, if you want to blame somebody, he's, he's the scapegoat. He's been the, the worst of a bad bunch for Tampa in these two games. Speaking of Kemper, Mark, is this an indication for Penguins fans that if the Penguins do build the right team coming in for 2022-23 or 23-24, that you don't need the superstar in net, you can win a cup with Tristan Jari? Is he the kind of goalie that you can look at and say if you've got the right team in front of him, you can balance out what questions might exist in goaltending? I absolutely feel like you could win the Stanley Cup with Tristan Jari in goal if you had the Colorado Avalanche playing in front of them. I think Penguin fans should look at this series and say, you know what? We're not one or two moves away. We're not a good player away. We're way, 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 way far away. And if they want to patchwork by Brandon Latang and Malkin back, so be it. But that's all it is is patchwork, and we'll get them nowhere near a Stanley Cup. Are you surprised so far to get the sense that FSG is leaning in that direction? Well, I, we don't know how far they're leaning till it actually gets done or doesn't. Mm-hmm. I do know they're making a legitimate chance to sign, a, a legit, giving themselves a legitimate chance rather than sign Latang. But uh, I, I don't know. If they, if they leave the Penguins, Malkin and, and Latang, I'd have to hear what the final offer was for either before I would know how legitimate the attempt is and, ergo, how far they actually did lean in that direction. Mark, John Tortorella, head coach of the Flyers. Good news or bad news for the Penguins? It's good news for me. <laughs> That's what I, I said it. filling in for you. I forget who said this. Oh, it was it was uh, Matt Larkin, who used to write for the Hockey News. I think he writes for Daily Faceoff now. He does, yes. He said that the Flyers hiring John Tortorella was so on brand it was like San Jose hired an actual shark to coach their team. <laughs> That's a great line. That's a fantastic line. So, I mean, you know, Torts is a good turnaround coach, and they certainly need to turn around, but he ain't going to get them in the playoffs. No, you know what, Mark? Actually, I went back and looked. If he's a good turnaround coach, it takes him a year to do it because he actually hasn't had a season 
where he's made a team better to the point that they've gotten into the playoffs after taking him over. And you only got one crack yeah, at it. Yeah, by the same token, Tim, he's taken over teams where it was always going to take more than a season. Yeah, well, what I'm saying is, like, for this year, with the Penguins sort of hanging in there and being on the cusp of are they in or are they out, I don't see the Flyers, for instance, being an eighth team that's going to bump them out just because John Tortorella is there. Oh, I totally agree with that. I th- That's one reason I think the Penguins are going to make the playoffs if they retain Latang. I don't see who's going to catch him from below. What about Trotz? What do you think his best landing spot would be? Or would have been? Uh, if the rumors are true and Florida's looking to replace Andrew Brunette, which they should, uh, that's, I think, his likely landing spot. If not there, then Detroit. Speaking of Larkin, he had something interesting that I read, Mark. He came up with a list of the best Stanley Cup final series in the Stanley Cup uh, salary cap era. So ever since uh, they instituted the cap, the best final series, of course, there were four of them that featured the Penguins. He had the 9 series as number two behind only Boston and Vancouver, which he put at number one. He had the 8 series behind the win against the Predators. I think they were 8-9 and nine respectively. And then he had the uh, final against the Sharks as 12th. There were 16 overall. Is that kind of how you remember the four series with the Penguins? I think the most memorable Stanley Cup final in Penguins history was, was 09. I would agree with that, yes. Because it was, it was probably the most evenly matched. And, you know, they just, you know, traded home wins till the Penguins won at Detroit for Game 7. And, you know, a ton of one-goal games. The Penguins got blown out of game, but that was, you know, to be expected. The Red Wings were that kind of team. I thought the Penguins went into that series as slight underdogs, having lost in the final of the year before. Uh, I thought that 09 series had everything. I think I liked the 08 series second of the bunch, even though they lost because it was such a quality series. It was so tense, the triple overtime, Hosa almost winning it. Um, if you're looking at quality of play of the series, I kind of thought that was better than the two in 16 and 17. Oh, yeah. I know. Like, Hosa almost tied it, you mean, at the end of game Sorry, six. Sorry, almost tied it in game six, giving them a yeah, chance. Yeah, boy, yeah, and what a game seven that would have set up. So, yeah, that... That almost feels like one long series, 08 and 09. One, it does, one yeah. 13-game series, although the Penguins did take a legitimate step up, both in terms of performance and roster. They they were just a better team the next year, even though they lost Hosta, lost Bugsy Malone. You know, Billy Guerin, you can't underestimate the impact he made. Mark, let's get to the Steelers. I referenced the Fitzpatrick signing. What were your thoughts on the money that was given to him? Well, I just think it's his turn and his time to get, you know, that money to be the highest paid safety in football. But as I've been stressing, now that they have the highest paid safety in football, he sure better play like it. He better be the best safety in football. And if he only is involved in four takeaways this coming year, at that price, he's failed. He's had a bad season. And the same goes for the defense, especially. Uh, They're the highest paid defense in football. They have to be the best defense in football and not the 24th best, and not excuses made because the offense had them on the field so long, and boy, if TJ would have been healthy more, and blah, 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 blah. You know, in a capped league, you 100% have to get what you pay for, and the Steelers are paying their defense to be the best defense in football, so it better be top five. Anything less than top five, that defense will have abjectly failed. I know that Colin Coward talked a lot about this. I played the bite that he had during your program, and... 
I agree with putting more emphasis on what the defense does to earn that bottom line. I'm not as critical of the Steelers for where they are offensively on the payroll as he was because I actually think it is indicative that they're trying to make the offense better by doing it through the draft. They're so cheap because so many of their starters are on their first contract. Well, no, no, I agree with all that, but, but they could have spent more. They could have got a better number two running back. You know, they have 23 million cap space left. That's unlike them to leave that much cap space open. So uh, I would have gone out and got a, a number two running back. I would have gone out and gotten – there had to have been a better offensive lineman available than what they got for the money they well, still that's, have left. That's the one that hits me, too, is offensive tackle. It looked like they were willing to spend, in fact, bid against themselves potentially for Chooks. You know, Dan Moore – he did okay at times at left tackle, but he's a fourth-round draft choice. He's not Anthony Munoz yet. You know, like, go out and get a tackle. Tim, they think they think the Chooks and Dan Moore are really good. They're wrong, but that's what they think. That was the one that stood out to me. That's where they could have addressed it. And, you know, let's also keep in mind that they could have gotten in on the quarterback pool if they wanted to. They just didn't want to, and now they're going with Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, but they just, you know, they – get evaluation of players, whether their own or others, and they just stick to it. And uh, again, they think that Chooks and Moore are good, but what I've been citing and will continue to cite, because I think it will, will, will come due in a bad way. The most important positions in football are in order, to my opinion, quarterback, quarterback, left tackle and edge rusher. They have a journeyman and a rookie at quarterback. Uh, they have bums at cornerback in fact i'm convinced more than ever they should bring joe hayden back on a one-year deal if hayden's amenable because at 33 he would still be their best cornerback they have a fourth round pick who will be playing in his second season at left tackle and they have the best edge rusher in football so of the four positions that are most important in football they've only addressed one to my mind addressed one properly because they have the cap space that they do should they now sign Deontay Johnson? Not for that price, no. They probably will. Because Dan Rooney practiced football business. Uh, Art Rooney's a mark. He practiced football friends. He doesn't want his players to ever be unhappy even for a second. So I think Deontay will get paid, yes. It will be a mistake. Would you play him in the slots when they go with three wide receivers? That's a tough one because they don't have anybody who's really equipped to be a slot receiver, do they? The Austin kid who they drafted in the fourth round, but he still needs to be polished. He's very young. He's very small. And you know what, Mark? All the talk about the three wide receivers who's going to play in the slot thing. They they ran out of 11 personnel, so one tight end, one back, Najee and Fryermuth, and three wide receivers more than any team in football except for the two Super Bowl teams. So they need somebody to do it, and I know that Johnson doesn't want to do it because he sees running a lot of short routes as sort of endemic to why he didn't put up big numbers last year, but I don't know who else can do it. it. He will see it as hurting him the way it was perceived to have hurt Juju. Precisely, yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't care what he wants, but the problem is the Steelers do care what guys want. You know, it's too much of a player's team. Tom was too much of a player's coach. Art's the player's owner. There are a bunch of marks down there. And it really has shown and it really has hurt. What I would do, I would play Gentry and Fryermuth a ton. I'd go too tight a ton. 
I think that's their best formation. I don't think they'll see it that way. Of the holes that remain, I get the sense you feel that backup running back is the biggest. I, I wouldn't disagree all that much, except for the hole is so glaring behind Highsmith and Watt at outside linebacker. I think they stink at corner. Okay. Starting and depth, then. All of them. I think they all suck. <laughs> I think Cam Sutton's a passable nickel. But when your nickel's probably your best corner, I mean, where are you going? Yeah, exactly. No, I, I, I hear you. And I think it's just too late in the game to find a starting caliber corner that's going to be any better than the ones that they got. And I worried about this from the minute they gave Sutton the money and didn't give it to Hilton, that he was going to be leaned on to be just too good, better than what he is. I think they overestimate a lot of their players, don't you? I do. I think a lot of their players overestimate themselves. Like Mika Fitzpatrick saying that I'm the best in the business. Well, you're not the best in the business. You got one all-pro vote. You know, the guy in Cincinnati that hasn't been well, paid well, yet. Well, never mind that. Akella Witherspoon put on his, what, Instagram that he's one of the top five cornerbacks in football. As often as not, Tim, in his career, he hasn't been one of the top five cornerbacks on his team. Yeah, to get on the field. He's not on the field enough. So, why? Because he's not good enough. I, that's ridiculous. Yeah, so, like, like I mean, right now they're starting corners to play Witherspoon and Wallace with Sutton in the slot, right? I would think so, yes. That ain't good. No, and then Justin Lane is one of the top backups, and that's even worse. And what happens, too, Tim, is that, I mean, we're all responsible for how we perform at our jobs. But Minka last year, what, made 120 tackles and only had four takeaways, involvement in four takeaways, because he had to basically play, you know, cleanup for how bad the inside backers were. And the fact the corner position isn't good, and even Terrell Edmonds is average, that didn't help him either. You want Minka to be following the ball around, and he can't do that within the context of who they got, which is another reason why signing him is something I'm not totally sure about. I would have made him play out the last year of his deal. Yeah, and even Miles Jack, who I perceive to be an upgrade on Joe Schobert, is just the second guy in a row that the Jacksonville Jaguars no wanted, no longer wanted. So should we be that much more excited? I'm not. Uh, Mark, I heard you mention O'Neal Cruz before. Are you getting the sense from uh, following Twitter that all the Pirates' problems are solved now? Well, I, I had to laugh because, you know, they, they swept at L.A. and then they won two out of three at home against Arizona. The park was half full for that one game against Arizona. And everybody said the Pirates are taking over the town. The future's here, blah, 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 blah. And then they lost nine in a row. Well, now they they beat uh, San Francisco on the walk-off by Sawinski, and that's his third home of the day. And that's impressive, you know, for Wookie. He's done okay. But that's still their second win in 13 games, and the same old chatter is out there on Twitter, especially about how they're taking over the time. The Penguins and Steelers, they're going to be playing, you know, second fiddle to the Pirates. The, the, you know, the Pirates, you know, it, they stink. They're going to stink. Okay? O'Neill Cruz solves nothing. I know Mitch Keller's ERA is all the way down to 5.04, and boy, is that impressive. But the one thing people need to remember about the Pirates is if they ever are good again like they were in 13, 14, and 15, the owner will not pay to maintain the team. He won't. So, you know, whatever you have to look forward to, if indeed you have anything at all to look forward to, will be very fleeting. Was it a good win, that walk-off? Yeah, I mean, a rookie hitting three home runs in the game, it's terrific. But what I always use the example is, they gave Key Brian Hayes that eight-year deal for 70 mil. He took that because he doesn't believe in himself. He settled. He don't think he can cash out via free agency eventually. 
or at least he's not willing to gamble on it. Whereas Brian Reynolds, he ain't signing nothing beats into his free agency. You know, Brian Hayes has three home runs this year and 222 at-bats. You know, in, in, in the launch angle era, he's a good fielder. So Pirate fans, they, they just look for optimism, and I get it, but it, it's not legitimate. Finally, Mark, I know you're in Vegas, and one of the things you saw saw it there was the uh, three-on-three hockey. Three ice. It was excellent. Uh, you know, they have a tournament format. Uh, they have the, 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 the all-star coaches, the Hall of Fame coaches, Craig Patrick's the commissioner. I was sitting at a table in a um, in a, a bar restaurant at the Orleans Casino. That's where they had the event. There's a hockey rink there. That's where the old Las Vegas East Coast team used to play East Coast League. But it's really nice. It's it's a it's a NHL caliber rink, but not with the seats. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, I was sitting at a table afterwards with Craig Patrick, Guy Carboneau, Brian Trottier, uh, Larry Murphy, John LeClaire, uh Larry Murphy. It was just fantastic. Joey Mullen. So, um, you know, I had a great time. And mark my words, there are certain things about this three-on-three league that, that the NHL is going to adopt for their three-on-three overtime. You watch, for example. You know, in the NHL, to get a change, guys circle back behind the red line, right? Correct, yeah. In three ice, if you circle back behind the red line of possession of the puck, you turn the puck over. Once you cross the blue line and are in the offensive zone, you can't circle back behind the center line. And it's not a face-off. You have to give the other team the puck. How were the players? I mean, could you tell how quality the players were? And the goalies, too, for that matter? Well, they're like East Coast College League. Like, Bugsy Malone played. Oh, okay. You know, he looked pretty good. There were a couple other guys who had cups of coffee in the NHL. Uh, a bunch of local kids, Tyler Murovich from Mount Lebanon, uh, Patrick Mullen, Joey's kid. They won the winning team. Joey Mullen's team won the tournament. It's basically a series of tournament with cumulative standings. Was one of the Lynch kids playing there, too? No, no, not that I saw. Okay. For, for right. Robert Morris, no. But here's another thing. They, they have six teams, right? Okay. There's three first-round games. Whatever team loses in the first round but scores the most goals gets to play in the semis. To stay alive, okay. So- and Joe Mullen's team played Larry Murphy's team. Murph's team trailed 5-1. He pulled the goalie, tied at 5-5. <laughs> okay. And then, uh, and then I forget whose team won in overtime, but they ended up both making the semis. And then uh, Joey beat Murph in the final. And the goaltending was excellent. Like, like I said, same thing, like, you know, college goalies. East Coast League goalies, but the goaltending was excellent because, Tim, if the goaltending wasn't any good in stuff like this, you know, a three-on-three type situation, the goals would get boring. There were a lot of goals, but you had to earn them. And really the most memorable thing about the the, uh, games were the amount of good saves in each game. There were a ton of good saves. That's coming to Pittsburgh soon, isn't it, Mark? The three-ice tournament? Yeah, next month. Oh, excellent. I forget the exact date, but yeah, near the end of the month, end of July. All right, Mark, what else are you doing in Vegas? I'm going to eat at Lowry's Prime Rib, and then I'm coming home, Tim. This is my fourth day here because Thursday I got here real early in the morning. Yeah. Four days is too long. I'm worn out the fourth day. All I've done today is I I worked out twice to try to get, you know, all the, I've eaten out of my system. And especially, you know, I, I, I had a few drinks with, with the Hall of Famers last night, which was a great thrill for me. And, uh, Eddie, you know, Eddie Johnston's kid, EJ Jr., he's in charge of this. He's, you know, doing a great job with this. An ex-NHL goalie named Steve Baker is also one of the uh, 
the director. So I, I had a chat with him as well. It was just, it was great. But I, you know, it's funny, Tim, I, I can't eat as much as I used to. Like if I eat too much one day, I, I can't eat the next day. It's weird. I mean, maybe that's good. Maybe I'm, I'm going to die soon. I don't know, but it's just weird. Like, but I've, this will be my second prime rib of the week. I've had, I'll tell you what else kills me though. And which probably keeps me from eating stuff that I would enjoy more, but it's spontaneous. I've had like donuts for breakfast, uh, three out of the four days cause the uh, coffee shop in New York, New York, America. So their donuts are unbelievable. Yeah. They do a good job at New York, New York in replicating New York in the sense that they've got that, that coffee shop, and they've got the Irish bar. Oh, they too. got the coffee shop. They got the deli. They got the pizza by the slice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's dangerous. <laughs> you get all the food of New York and all the gambling of Vegas, and that's a deadly combination. Yeah, I had I had breakfast on Friday with Sean McDonald and his wife, and I had uh, at the famous uh, Vegas spot, the Pepper Mill, which is uh, remember when uh, near the end of Casino, where where uh, Sharon Stone and De Niro have their confrontation in a in a restaurant booth. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah. That was at the Pepper Mill, filmed at the Pepper Mill. Well, that's my next go-to spot in Vegas then. i got to be a part of that history. Yeah, so my flight's like at 10.30 tomorrow, so I'm actually going to get up relatively early uh, and have like a legitimate breakfast before I leave. Something that would you know have an equal chance to kill me, like chocolate chip pancakes. <laughs> All right, so my thanks to Mark Madden. We will recap the third game of the Stanley Cup Finals between Tampa and Colorado with Brian Metzer tomorrow, our weekly hockey podcast with Brian is on the way. That's coming up tomorrow on the Pittsburgh CityCast.